0: Namaste. Today we read a prayer of the Mother, January 13th, 1914. So, neither life nor yoga is certainly not this yoga move in a straight line this is one of the among the many illusions this is one of the illusions that human beings carry so they plan their life in a linear way you know what is linear planning according to reason you plan the steps your steps are this I'll do that I'll do and so they are you know but life is a horse or a knight in its cover (laughs) you know how in chess the knight moves knight is a strange fellow it doesn't move in a straight way it moves and uh, it's a very dangerous fellow (laughs) (laughs) Because it's difficult to anticipate the move of the night. So life is like that. It touches a point, uh, then touches another through lives. That's how in ordinary life it happens. So what happens in yoga? In yoga also, the yoga shakti, the divine force, the mother's uh, light, love, touches a point. Initially, it's a point which is more ready. And then when that is prepared... It is not like now you can stay in that wonderful, beautiful place that's the old yogas did that mistake. They found a little spot which was open to the which was open to the gates of grace, and in that part they lived, so they didn't come out into life because life meant that you will again be into that same flow, the same mud uh, for instance, the Gyan yogi would take his seat in some place and he would live contemplating this thought and his interaction will be with the world will be only in terms of some disciples coming to whom he will transmit the knowledge or the i mean you would never see you know those this is unique where the mother herself and yogi is like nalini da dhuman bhai going to the marketplace imagine a, you know a, a real yogi going with a sabji thela into market and you know asking about so yoga never entered into the field of common life it always remained little aloof then it was divided into certain activities because you have to live so certain activities were regarded as indispensable for your sharir yatra so there are ashramas where you will see That they have meditation halls, uh, huge places or where the Guruji will give lecture. But uh, huge setups I have seen actually. But the rest of the setup will be dedicated to… Because a lot of people come so Langar or Bhojan, that's it. Or hospital because old people will fall sick. So you have to have a hospital also and some such activities. The idea of creative expression of life will not be there sometime they start a school more as a philanthropic activity so you divide life into activities which are not which can be connected in some way they are needed for your living or they are needed for your maintenance of life and the rest are left outside the pole of yoga or a bhakta what does a bhakta do in the traditional yoga he sits in ecstatic contemplation of the lord So, he will be in his uh, temple um, where he will be enjoying the presence of the Lord. He will sing, he will dance, he will be merged in bhakti, in bhava samadhi, in ecstasy. So, it's only first time we see in the Yoga of the Gita that yoga entered into the field of life. So And what Shri Krishna is Shri Krishna, what field of life straight into the battlefield? So that way, you know, Shri Krishna did something which was two things he did, many, many things, but two things very, very unprecedented. One is he made yoga enter into the right, into the thick of battlefield. And second is released stream, streams of bhakti. That was something unique, both were Shri Krishna's uh, spiritual action. And that way, if you see, Shri carries that work further. That's how Shri said, we are carrying Shri Krishna's work further. So he entered into the field of life, but yet the um, operating system was the same trigonas. They had to be changed. So that change, Krishna anticipates, but doesn't actually change it because that needs the coming of the Divine Mother and preparation of the earth, truth consciousness, all that we have shared earlier. But here in this yoga, coming back to the issue, a point is touched, which is very beautifully touched. There is an awakening. There is the rush of experiences. But then, there are other points which are like dark. See, in religions, what happened? There was a mystic lamp lit here, but the rest remained dark. Or if you take science, there is a little corporeal mind lamp is lit here, but the rest remains dark. So, other points begin to be touched. Now, when each point is touched, it is a new challenge, it's a new journey, new discovery, new working. But the beauty is once an opening is done there, then again there is a massive influx. So you are gaining. It's like, you know, in a house you touch up one wall and after some time the wall looks very nice. But you want to open a window there. Then what happens after some time? You do an opening there. Now, when you do that opening again, it's like ghargar and sound and all that. Then after some time, again a window. Now, again, it the, no sensible person will ever make the whole window there because it will get dirty. Then something else. So, like that, for a long time, there are several places where the working is going on until you reach a point where now the whole house is more or less ready and then you do the interiors. That's how houses logically should be made, no? So something very similar happens in the yoga, that different points are touched at different intervals and what we have to do is to keep invoking the grace, whichever condition we are in. And then a time comes when that also part opens. And when that happens, it opens there is a massive influx of love. So you, there is a wideness, like a wider opening into the light from two different angles. Then there is a third opening, then a fourth opening. So literally, as I keep saying, that out of a little trickle of water, once in a while, purana time ka village, you are pulling from the well, lot of effort. Then you add the tap and wa- the tap will come at fixed time. I don't know whether you have experienced or not. And kachara jamaogyat gaya, little bit trickle. So that's the beginning of yoga. But end point is zakusi. <laughs> end point is a nice zakusi. Opening here, opening there, opening there, opening there, all around. <laughs> and that makes the yoga wonderful, but also challenging, <laughs> engaging, and delightful. So we read this prayer, January 13th, 1914. And when you read the whole prayer, then you get that sense. When you read in the beginning, it's like one wonders that naturally she's describing an experience at a given point of time. And then she will go back and speak of how this experience came. Thou hast passed over my life, O Lord, like a great wave of love. And when I was immersed in it, I knew in a way integral and intense that I had offered to Thee. When? So when this wave of love passes, when this moment comes, take hold of this moment and give yourself. See, there are states when one is uh, caught up in that Bhavar and one doesn't know time to time there is a cry here and there but always there will be windows opening on the infinite and during that moment we should use it to give ourselves, that's the point always, mother says every day several times there are windows which open to the infinite and there is no fixed law that only when you are standing in front of the ashram and doing pranam then the window will open, it may not it may open when you are taking a walk, suddenly there is an opening Take that opportunity and offer it. (laughs) So, this is how it happens. When? So, she puts a question mark. When? I do not know. At no precise moment and doubtless, always, my thoughts, my heart and my flesh in a living holocaust. She seizes on that moment. She also forgotten. When that moment came? Have you seen sometime? And mother says at one place, these are moments which pass upon wings. You must catch them before they fly away. It may be the most, you know, that's why it's so difficult to understand what is happening in human beings. Uh, Today only I get those, you know, funny ideas. So I said, see how mistaken our outer understanding can be. So if you see a person speaking on phone, what's your conclusion? Actually, you should not draw conclusion than the fact that somebody is speaking on phone. That's the only valid conclusion you can draw (laughs) But you'll draw a conclusion. You must be very fond of the person. So he's speaking so much time. What if in the other person it's going on? Oh my God, such a time is being eaten up. You don't know about that. So we don't know what's going on inside a human being. So inside sometimes there is a moment when an opening comes. It may come in the most unexpected of ways. I've seen it come while driving a scooter. I've seen it come suddenly in a... uh, I still remember gone to medical college uh, for some examination I had to take. So sitting there and I was just watching these people, you know, who are all, examination, MD, all these people are coming. Of course, as an examiner, you are in a uh, you know, chai, samosa, everything is going on. People are discussing things as if they are experts. And looking at them, I suddenly went into every I See, is this a way of life? And uh, they didn't realize, so I had taken out a notebook and I started writing. There must be another way to live. This is not a way of life. And nobody knew because when the students came, I, like I was my usual examiner self, but though asking them very uh, mild questions, uh, something like in essence, but it was not interesting at all. But that's the whole catch here, that deep inside what is happening, that is the only thing which is true. So one should be alert. So a moment comes and she gives herself. And what does she give? Thought, being flesh in a holocaust. That moment, it's like a shooting star, she says. Whatever you will at the time comes true. Why? Because what will you will when there is that one moment? The value of a moment. Often we give this exercise to children that, you know, supposing God came in front of you, what would you ask? Now people are taken by surprise. Well, So they have to say, you know, God is a busy person. Can't keep staying, you know, hanging out. <laughs> you don't have time to talk to your mom and ask or your dad or somebody ki kya manglo. You ask. Now what would people ask? Whatever is uppermost. Isn't it? So this is how she says in one moment it flashed and she gave herself. And if we could be like that, he will come several times, not once. And every time it comes, Ma, take me. That's it. So she has done that in a living holocaust, not just a mechanical movement, it's a living movement. And in that great love which enveloped me, look at it divine love comes, give yourself. Not, oh, God has come. Where is my list? Where is my list? She has given herself. You know, this act of giving is one of the most wonderful and the rarest of things. And if you find anywhere, go down hundred times, (laughs) God is there, as simple as that. It's so difficult for human nature because in the ego we have only been, our operating system is take or it is uh, take and give. The other day it was going on that, you know, in fever, um, someone said, you know, uh, uh, should I take dolo. Uh, so, I was in a mood of you know humor, so I said, "Not dolo, uh, take dodo, so what is dodo do do uh, dolo is what we normally do do-lo. <laughs> do do yaad go <rakho> virlo. <laughs> that 's the story of kekai oh she remembered long back she has asked a boon and <laughs> so so this is not how we, that's how we operate it should be only do 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 then no problem huh? so anyways don't take it seriously okay <laughs> take it seriously don't not be the, the dolo part huh? Um, not advertising for paracetamol <laughs> in that and in that great love which enveloped me and in that consciousness of the renunciation made Look at it, this inner renunciation. What has she renounced? Did she say, okay, I am giving my hairs, I am giving from today, I will wear only one type of dress? No. What is the renunciation? My thoughts, my heart and my flesh in a living holocaust. So in that moment of renunciation. There was an immense serenity, vaster than the universe. And a sweetness so intense and so full of an infinite compassion. That a flow of tears came slowly from my eyes. Who said that crying is a sign of weakness before the divine? (laughs) Psychic tears. So, simple formula of peace. Want to be peaceful? Okay, what is troubling you? This, that. Give it to the mother in all sincerity. If you do it in sincerity, then your heart will be in peace. By sincerity, it means with complete trust. Now you are given to her. No, it's her problem. Imagine physically if she is there and you have told, Ma, this is my problem. Okay, okay, she is heard and you are given to her. After that, if you ask me, you have no business to worry about it because she knows now. You have given her in real sincerity. Now it's her problem. What she will do with it, she will (laughs) give you the desired result, undesired result, whatever it comes. So this is how she says that when you do that, there is a serenity and a sweetness. Why sweetness? Because something which was closed inside has opened. And this compassion, because you look at life, you understand its smallness, its littleness, its struggle which is so vain. What is compassion? Compassion is, you know, um, when you see somebody, you could so easily, you know, like a child, stubbornly, a child is stubbornly attached To something which you know will be harmful and at the same time, you know, this little gesture is required to completely make the child fine. So then there is a compassion, birth of compassion because you wish, you feel and it has a tremendous power in it. So this is what she experiences. Nothing could be further removed at once from suffering and from happiness, both. It was an ineffable peace. So when we surrender to the divine with complete trust, we enter into a vaster consciousness. Why? Because divine is within all. He takes care of everything, every creature. And when you have offered, then you are in that state of vastness and serenity. And then she, as if, uh, goes back into a, not flashback in terms of outer events, but inner states. That gives us the clue. Oh, sublime love. Now you see, now she is not using uh, how Sri and the mother, one of the things they have done, which is very beautiful. Um, all these beings and forces, uh, they have turned into something very, uh, almost one can say aspiration. Even a secular person can aspire. What is that love with a capital L? All of us carry an ideal of love. Now if you approach it, Approach in the religious way The only god of love we have is Kamadeva I think there is no temple dedicated to Kamadeva Whatever it is But that's not love The original god of love is Mitra Mitra and Varuna they go together So ancient uh, Vedic Rishi will say Oh Mitra Even in one of the prayers of the mother She addresses to Varuna and Mitra But here she is addressing to love Anyone, anywhere Doesn't matter The ultimate source of love Doesn't matter what you call So she says, you are the centre of our life. Marvel of marvels. Love is the marvel builder. Its touch can really change. Uh, Even a stone into a sweet spring of life. I find thee again at last and I live once again in thee. So for a moment it is as if covered. And then she finds again. So this is the whole thing that she is describing as an experience. But how much more powerfully, how much more consciously than before? So it is like there is you have found that love in a particular mode, in a particular way. Then there is a wailing and then you rediscover love. And when you rediscover, because there is another opening which has taken place. It appears as a marvel of marvels and so this is what she is, describes. How much better I know and understand thee. Each time I find Thee again, my communion with Thee is more integral, more complete, more definitive. This is the integral yoga. You are found in one opening in some part. Then, that's fine, it's good, that's happening. Then another part opens. Then a third part opens. Then a fourth part opens. All of them are opening doors to love different ways, till finally there is an integral opening. And with each opening you understand something better of its mystery. This is not a suggestion that you must keep on, you know, (laughs) falling in love. It's not about falling in love. It's about experiencing that love within yourself. It's not about, you know, an outward thing, but inwardly. That experience that one has... With the divine Here she is referring to That opening The divine But that opening can come in so many ways O presence of ineffable beauty So always with this love These two sisters Are always accompanying her One is beauty And the second is ananda And the action of love Invariably brings harmony If there is disharmony taking place Any place Know that the force of love is diminished Love invariably brings harmony, it's its nature. Have you seen that when you love somebody, you are much more malleable? You automatically want to, you know, uh, adapt yourself. But the moment you become rigid and tight, that means the power of love is diminished. Love brings harmony, it is the builder of bridges. So, beauty, she addresses love as, O presence of ineffable beauty, O thought of supreme redemption. By redemption, love alone can redeem from the most material state. It can touch and redeem even the most obscure matter. It can awaken to beauty. And that's why in one of the places when mother looks at the objects and she sees them, she says that, you know, they have been pulled out by the marvel of divine love. You see, you pick up a seashell up some people have those wonderful, they shape objects very beautifully. So it's like the marvel of divine love which brings out some beauty out of that. How? How does it happen if you look at… Now some people say, no, 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 this is all sentiment, tell me scientifically. So what happens? You look at a stone. So scientifically, your analytical mind, this is stone. Your practical mind, I can use it as a paperweight. Your nasty mind, I can throw it and hurt somebody. Right? This, this is how the mind operates. But then your beautiful heart says, Oh my God, this stone, I wish I can make a beautiful form out of it. Now, who is inspiring this in the brain? Beauty trying to take shape, form. This is what love does. It first comes as a universal beauty, formless. And then it wants to take form. So you say, okay, then your brain, your hands obey it. It could be a stone, it could be a picture, painting, it could be a writing, anything. So that love begins to take form and shape. And there you have the wonderful presence in the form. This is the power of love. So love can literally bring a life. Otherwise you can't do it. You see, things which are done without love... You can know them by the fact that they will be so cold, they will never inspire in you the sense of either gratitude, joy. Uh, that's the difference between hotel food and mom's food. That's how it is commonly described. But otherwise also, you see, you, you when you see, why Shurabindu's writings give joy in spite of, you know, sometimes not being able to understand? Many people say we can't understand But when they read the synthesis They find such a joy Why? Because it's an act of love Imagine the same thing written by a scholar The Life Divine First paragraph 10,000 years back, according to so-and-so, Matthews and Arnolds, there was human beings. Then according to the research done in Africa, by the time you have finished, (laughs) what what are you trying to say? And then there were people who were moving around the jungles, who were, you know, seministic rituals. Totally lost. (laughs) No joy in it. But what does Shurabinder say? This is the earliest preoccupation of man. He is seeking... He is man, the seeker, in his conscious thought. What is he seeking? He is seeking the same things that he seeks today. What was he seeking? God, light, freedom, immortality. It doesn't matter how he is seeking. That's all. Sri in one of his uh, aphorisms says that, what is the difference between African savages who believed in some kind of energy and scientific dogmas? Then he says, still that is better because at least he believes that there is something more than just matter. So he is seeking. Now you see what a wide landscape and what an act of love. We are looking at these rituals and these people. He is looking at the human seeking, taking its obscure roots inside the human consciousness. What a wonder it is. And then he connects it with something like, you know, today we see humanity satiated but not satisfied, returning back to its primeval longings. See a scholar writing just these two lines. He will write in five papers, get it published. But I don't know why people find Surabindo difficult. Please read some of these scientific research papers. After that, you'll find him very simple, very easy, <laughs> beautiful. Then he says Sovereign power of salvation. It is love that can give salvation to man. With what joy all my being feels the living in itself. Love is the only power which will lean into the abyss. Nothing else. Even when light comes, you have to hold the light. How do you hold the light? Love will enter, catch you, enter into you and pick you out. That's the original power of love. Soul principle of its life and of all life. So now she says that here joy and beauty and all that she experiences and then she says, you are the soul principle of its life, her own life and of life, all life. Marvelous constructor of all thought. Love is constructing thoughts. Beautiful luminous thoughts. All will. All consciousness. Upon this world of illusion, this somber nightmare, thou hast bestowed thy divine reality and each atom of matter contains something of thy absolute. This is about that power of love, sublime love. Without it, imagine what this world would have been. Often when, um, you know, people talk about artificial intelligence, big thing nowadays and, you know, they will have robots and all. What is the difference between robo and human beings? Somebody was even suggesting it's much better to have a a robotic doctor, artificial AI doctor, because he'll tell you exactly. Disease, medicine, much of doctors have become like that, you know. Their mind works. Okay, what are are the protocols? People who talk about protocols, I… Honestly believe they are not doctors because medicine is more than protocols. Protocols, even a computer will tell you, you don't need a doctor. You put into the computer, feed it and computer will give you protocols. Sir, take this medicine three times a day, this five times. It will be more accurate. But what is it that makes a human being a human being? It's not just knowledge. Knowledge of this informational kind you can feed, but you can't feed love. Love is something what maketh a man. It's something very amazing. So she says that in this illusion, thou hast bestowed thy divine reality and each atom of matter contains something of thy absolute. Thou art, thou livest, thou art radiant and reignest. So again and again she reminds us to turn to this presence, to this divine presence in matter. That is the source of redemption. All else is nightmare, illusion. We'll run from one illusion to another. Where is the hope? The hope is in this divine presence, which is in each atom of existence. In each cell it is there. We'll close with this line. Upon this world of illusion... This somber nightmare thou hast bestowed thy divine reality, and each atom of matter contains something of thy absolute marker words each atom thou art, thou livest, thou art radiant and reenist.